Today's show is brought to you by Laser Away. Labor of Love listeners can save up to 75% on laser services at Laser Away. Go to laserawaycom love now to reschedule your free consultation. Today's episode is also brought to you by The Bachelorette. JoJo is back as the new Bachelorette. She's starting a new love story her way, going from Ben to 26 new men, all hoping to be the one. The Bachelorette premieres at a special time, Monday, May 23rd, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on ABC. Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of realsimple.com. As a busy working mother of two, I'm always on the lookout for easier ways to clean up messes and smarter ways to organize everything in my house, better ways to travel with my family without going crazy, and pretty much anything that will simplify my life. That's why I'm so excited to have Asha Dornfest, the author of the new book, Parent Hacks, on today's episode. Asha's book is an illustrated collection of some of the genius shortcuts from her website, parenthacks.com, where she has been sharing unexpected solutions to all kinds of kid-related problems since 2005. She is also the host of the podcast, Edit Your Life. Welcome, Asha. Thanks for having me. So you launched your site back in the days when we didn't really have a huge social media presence where parents were congregating in listservs and on blogs and parenting sites. And you kind of started something that now we all read about all the time, which is this idea of hacks. And I wanted to see if you could explain to us what Kate, what was the genesis of your starting this site? And what were you looking to find from other parents? Isn't it funny to, to remember the dark ages of the internet like that? <laughs> I mean, it was like a it was like a different internet, really. And I think parenting was different, too, be, because we didn't yet have this very easy way to reach out to each other. And that was really, that was sort of the genesis. Uh, I, I mean, at that time, I was a relatively new parent myself. So this was 2005. And I just found that parenting, let's just say it wasn't what I expected. <laughs> it was just a, it was, it didn't, it, my experience didn't resemble what I had been reading in the magazines and the books. And, uh, but I had been on the web for a while. I was actually a writer of, of books about starting your own website way back in the 90s. And so I, I had been on the web for a long time and blogs were relatively new. And it just, they just hit me over with the head with the fact that they were real. Here were real parents writing about their experiences. And it was just such a revelation to me. And so I decided to start a blog that would help gather together some of the just those little tips that we stumble upon, you know, as we try to make our lives easier, you know, every day with our kids. Because I found that oftentimes what was most useful was a piece of advice from another parent. Literally, it could just be somebody I didn't even know at the playground or a neighbor or whatever. And I thought if if we could somehow collect these ideas, these hacks, and share them with one with one another, it would just be so helpful. And so that it was just simply the desire for my own 
community and a way to reach out to other parents that got me to start this blog. I think one of the other important things about the blog and about the blogosphere back at that time for parents was this idea that we're not alone in this. I think your experience of feeling like you weren't sure what you were doing and it wasn't what you thought it would be is really common. And until we had sort of the internet to share those common feelings and and also, you know, great solutions with each other, it was kind of a lonely game. It really was. And, you you know, you could look to the left or right of you and see in your neighborhood what other people were experiencing, but you couldn't really see behind that. And, you know, I know that my day-to-day experience just didn't seem to look like what my friends were going through. And so it, it was it was a sort of a magical thing, actually, at that time to be able to reach out to other parents and find out that, yes, indeed, I wasn't alone. And it's almost hard to imagine what that time was like now, because now we have not only do we have blogs, but I mean, we have social media. It's even more direct and more immediate a way to find out what's going on. But at the time, it just it actually changed everything for me, that ability to reach out to other parents. Did you know that the average woman will spend over $10,000 on razors and 72 days shaving in her lifetime? Are you tired of spending all of this time and money on what is also ranked as the most hated beauty ritual? We are too. Good thing our friends at Laser Away have us and our bodies covered. As the nation's top laser hair removal and aesthetic experts, Laser Away offers the most advanced, cutting-edge technology to offer dramatic, permanent results in just a few treatments. Laser Away's treatments are non-invasive, fast, permanent, and can treat all skin tones, leaving you hair-free, carefree, and ready for the last-minute date or a beach getaway. Shave time, not your legs. Get up to 75% off laser services and schedule your free consultation today by going to laserawaycom love. That's laserawaycom love. So you divided the book up into a couple of different chapters. One section is pregnancy and postpartum. You've got bath time and grooming, food and meal time, and travel and outings. The hacks range from fixing leaky sippy cups to <laughs> dealing with picky eaters. Can we go through some of these sections and can you tell our listeners your favorite hack from all of those different sections? So let's start with pregnancy and postpartum. Oh my goodness. There there are so many favorites. <laughs> really. <laughs> it's it's almost like, you know, can you choose your favorite child? But I will do my best for okay. you. <laughs> so I uh so pregnancy and postpartum. I mean so the the book really covers all the way from pregnancy through about preschool or so. But in the pregnancy chapter, I feel like one of my favorite hacks actually is one that I heard from another mom, and that was how to extend the life of your pre-pregnancy genes when you're starting to show, but you don't yet need to have maternity genes. Nor do and you want is, them, probably. <laughs> <laughs> although once you get them, you never want to give them up. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's uh, it's a simple little hack where you loop a little hairband through the buttonhole of your jeans and then hook it over the grommet. And it sort of creates a little, almost like in a little elastic waistband. So you basically walk around with your jeans unbuttoned, but they don't fall down because of this rubber band. (laughs) And you just have to wear a long shirt and no one knows the difference. That's a good one. 
It is good because, you know, you just want to wear your own jeans for a while. And yeah, it's just a, it's a handy one. So simple. What about bath time and grooming? I have a favorite, but I want to hear what yours is first. Oh, now I'm I'm very curious about what your favorite is. Well, well, I have to admit the one on the cover is a pretty a pretty classic one at this point, and that is to actually place a plastic laundry basket in the bathtub and use that almost like a little bathtub corral for your baby because the water flows in from the sides of the laundry basket, but it's still a perfectly fine place to bathe your baby and the bath toys don't go floating away all over the place. So that's a favorite, but actually the one that I used all the time It's such a simple one, and that is to place a dry washcloth over your kid's eyes, basically hold it over her forehead while you're rinsing her hair to get the shampoo out. So I don't know about you, but when I would rinse my kid's hair in the bathtub, I would constantly get shampoo under eyes. Right, Uh, and then you feel like a monster, like... I'm, yes, yeah. it's screaming and flailing. It's like, oh, God, how do we not do this? And yet it was a simple fix. You just hold a washcloth there. That just soaks up the water and the suds and everyone's happy. It's such a simple one. My favorite is because I have just kind of horribly crippling memories of trying to cut my kids' fingernails and toenails was the one where you strap your child into a snuggly with them facing out and you can kind of snip their their nails and they're secure and they can't flail completely and you can't worry you don't have to worry as much about injuring them with the nail clipper but yet you get the job done so that was that one was hugely uh influential in my household i'm feeling you you on that one (laughs) well and you know the it's funny like you know you it just seems so obvious because it's so nice to have two hands free but i will tell you something special about that particular hack and that is if you look at the illustration it's of a man standing with you know the baby in the in the snuggly and that by the way is a self-portrait of the illustrator. Oh, <laughs> that's a nice. <laughs> that's a little, a little Easter egg that he slid in, oh, which I so absolutely love every time I look at it. Okay, food, mealtime. Hmm, my favorite mealtime and food-related hack. Well, one of them is, I wonder if it's even in that chapter, but it was actually one that I used quite often, and that was to slide plastic shower curtain underneath the high chair. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, to cut a plastic shower curtain in half, you can get them really cheaply at the dollar store or whatever, and to slide it under the high chair. And um, you know how, not just the high chair, but also, you know, when your toddler's sitting at the regular table, you know how there's constantly food getting, Yeah, it's just falling down and hitting the floor. It just made cleanup a lot easier. So that was that was a favorite. And actually, there's another one which I really loved. And this is one that I also I, I'm proud to say I came up with this because <laughs> so many of these hacks actually come from other parents and come from my community. But this is one that I came up with, and that was to cool down hot food using frozen fruit or vegetables. So you know how it is when you make oatmeal for your kid or you make pasta or something and it's too hot and you're blowing it and yeah. it's just hard to cool it down. If you add, so let's say with oatmeal, you can add frozen blueberries or with the pasta, you can add cold sauce from the fridge. You don't have to heat Genius. it up. You just add it cold. It cools down the entire meal, but yet heats up or thaws the thing that's cold and it just ends up being the right temperature. And maybe one of the simplest food-related hacks that I've learned through your site that 
I proudly whip out almost every weekend of the summer and tell other other parents about is the very simple but yet very important putting the ketchup on the hot dog bun rather than on top of the hot dog so that their mess is as minimal as possible. And that kind of changed my life too, I got to say. <laughs> you know, whenever people see that hack, they just smack their forehead. Yeah, and think, that's, oh. how, that's how I felt. Yes, indeed. And, uh, you know, adults, children, it doesn't matter. Right. I think we all could use that one. I just remember like the amount of laundry that I had to do with red smeared stuff all over it was just just went down dramatically almost all of a sudden because of that quick uh, hack that I learned. So that was hugely important. Genius. Hugely important, I know, for our, for our extreme hot dog consumption. <laughs> when I so have one, hot dogs. Yeah, I have one child who that's about all he eats. So that has been super helpful. On The Bachelor, Ben told Jojo he loved her, but her fairy tale ending crashed straight to the ground when he said he loved someone else more and sent her away with a broken heart. It was the most dramatic Bachelor finale ever. Starting on ABC, Monday, May 23rd, JoJo is back as the new Bachelorette. The stunning fan favorite from Texas is leaving her heartbreak behind, going from Ben to 26 new men, all hoping to be the one to make her happily ever after finally come true. Will JoJo finally get the happy ending she's always wanted? The surprises start night one as the guys try to grab her attention right out of the limo to get that coveted first impression rose. A new epic journey of romance and drama is about to begin. The Bachelorette premieres at a special time, Monday, May 23rd, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on ABC. Okay, let's move on to traveling hacks and outings. I think the one that really changed my life was how to disable the auto flush sensor on the toilet and the public restroom. <laughs> so <laughs> for those people who don't have those particular kids, I do. So I got this one automatically. Can you just talk about like what, how some kids have a fear of automatic toilet <laughs> flushing? <laughs> right. I, I mean, I, this, I think one of the points with parent hacks is not every hack is going to apply to every person. So I think that, for those who do ha experience, you know, kids who have a fear of the auto flush, they will they will really appreciate this. And, you know, simply, I just I one of my children literally refused to go to a public restroom for some time. And this complicated outings, to say the least. Yeah, he was just afraid of the unpredictability of it. And it's especially when you have a kid who's potty training and, you know, getting, you know, comfortable with different kinds of restrooms, it, it really can be unsettling and scary for kids. And some kids, it's not an issue. But for those who are, this is a this is a game changer. Can you explain it? Well, it's simple. This The simple part of it is you just cover up the light, the little sensor light, and that keeps the auto flush from working until you're ready. But the hack is that you you can either cover it up with toilet paper if it's freestanding, or you can stick a post-it note over it if it's a light. No kidding. There are actually parents who travel with post-it notes for this purpose. <laughs> But if you think about it, I mean, that sounds a little strange, but if you think about it, you just slap it on there yeah, and everything is good. 
And then you just take it off when your kid's done and the toilet flushes and everyone's happy. The things you have in your bag when you have young children are, is pretty um, unbelievable when you empty out your bag at the end of the day and the things you find in there. So what would a few more post-its, you know, really mean in the end In the end of it? Your bag is the bottomless pit anyway. <laughs> it's true. It's like the Mary Poppins magical bag of, of wonders. Of tricks. And you know, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I've, I've gotten past this now because my oldest is now 16 years old. I'm no longer pulling pairs of underwear and other things out of my purse, but I mean, it really, it really was like that. You just have to be surprised. I mean, be prepared. Yeah. Preparedness still includes packing snacks. I find, even though my kids are older too, that uh, yeah. it's never a bad idea to have some snacks on hand for grownups too. Them. I was going to say snacks for them and snacks for you, because oftentimes I would be perfectly well situated for the kid. And then I would be sitting around thinking, OK, you know, I don't I, fruit snacks or, yeah. you know, I, it's not going to do it for me. So pack a snack for yourself, too. So we're headed into summertime, vacation time, family road trip time. I would love to hear your best advice and your best hacks for those family outings and trips that are supposed to be so wonderful and oftentimes the pain of getting someplace with a family can be excruciating. <laughs> Just oh, being honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Road trips. I, you know, I, they really are so much fun and I have really great memories of them as a kid, but uh, I've, I've done a couple killer road trips and I, I feel your pain, believe me. Well, I think one of the, one of my favorite hacks that came from the Parent Hacks community for road trips was actually how to store road trip snacks. So you know how it is, you put a bunch of snacks in a bag, the magical bag of snacks, and it's sitting on the floor of the back seat and you're constantly trying to reach back and scrabble through it and find just the right thing. Somebody discovered that those wine bottle totes, so they're divided totes oh, yeah. that are meant for wine bottles, basically they're tote bags, but they have these you know vertical compartments. Right. They're perfect for storing snacks and supplies and say some napkins or wipes. maybe some wipes or something. And it keeps everything compartmentalized, but it's still open at the top. So you can easily, easily reach in and not only see what's in there, but grab what's in there. And I thought that was great because it always seems like the thing you want is the thing that's migrated the to the bottom of the bag. Yeah. Isn't that true? Always true. Every time. That bag, the magical snack bag, also gets stepped on all the time in my car. And also then it like things melt and get, you know, stale when you leave them in the car, when you're, you know, going out. Anyway, I like I like that idea. You can see what's fresh and what's not and you can toss it too. open. Well, top. I know it looks so magical when you pack it. And then after about two hours, it's like <laughs> all the open cookies and the bananas that are a little bit bruised. It's like, oh, man. Speaking of open cookies, that makes me think of crumbs, which makes me think of my car and what it looks like after a trip with my kids. What's your suggestions for keeping your car not, you know, completely disgusting during long road trips over the summer? <laughs> well, there are a couple couple options for you. First of all, believe it or not, a lint roller does a pretty good job getting the crumbs off the upholstery and off the floor. You know those lint yeah. rollers that you buy for clothing? Yeah. You can just use them almost like a little vacuum cleaner for your car, sort of. Can you use um, it for a vacuum cleaner for your kid, too? I mean... For every, every, <laughs> just 
just everything with the lint roller. Yes. (laughs) So that's handy. Um, The other thing that actually comes in handy, believe it or not, is Glad Press and Seal. So Glad Hmm. Press and Seal is, it's plastic wrap, but it has this odd sort of adhesive stickiness on the other side that somehow doesn't leave stickiness on the whatever it's sticking to. And you can press that to just about anything to almost create a little slip cover. And so you can you can protect certain parts of the car, you know, areas that get dirty with Glad Press and Seal. You can also put a little cupcake liner into the cup holders and that keeps a bunch of the garbage that, you know, piles up in there from getting too crusty and yucky. You just take it out and toss it and replace it. I wish you told me that about a week ago because this this weekend, as I was kind of going through the car after a little road trip to clean it out, I found about 37,000 pieces of petrified bubble gum in the drink holder in my car. (laughs) My son, you know, my son's one of those people who chews for like six seconds and then the minute it starts to lose flavor, just like, you know, tosses it. But he must have been collecting this for I don't know how long. I mean, it was really like a mountain of pink bubble gum, but I got it out. Well, that's impressive because (laughs) I feel like my my cup holders have never recovered. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you just, I don't know. It's hard to clean those things. So, you know, you do the best you can. And then, you know, eventually you take your car, you just spend some money and take your car to get detailed. Who knows? Yes. Maybe when kids are teenagers. Talking, uh, you, you have a couple of really cool, I think, ideas about how to get kids to be a little bit more independent and a little more... Um, I don't know, aware of being organized. You know, there's there's a moment at which we as parents have to kind of step away from the day-to-day organization of all of their stuff and all of their schoolwork and we sh- or we should and we need to let them take some control over that. What are your suggestions for making that happen, for making a child feel like they have some stake in that game? Well, this is this is something that I actually talk about a lot. I'm a huge proponent of getting kids involved with chores early on. This is something that we talk about on our own podcast quite a bit because it's just a win-win for everybody. I actually include a list in the book of chores that toddlers can do. Yes, toddlers. I know it's sort of a, an oxymoron, but it, you know, it's not that they're going to do these chores well and they're going to be <laughs> little worker bees. Let's just be honest, but It just gets them, it starts getting them into the habit of thinking of themselves as productive members of the family and contributing members of the family. And the other great thing about putting toddlers to work is that for a toddler, everything is fun. It's fun to push a Swiffer. It's fun to take a damp washcloth and wipe down their chair or their table or whatever they're doing. They can take their shoes and put them in a little basket or they can take their dish and take it to the sink. So I think that's that's a big part of it. Just getting them started with doing whatever they can by themselves. And if you know, if an entire chore is too much for them, then breaking that chore into little tiny pieces and giving them just the first part of it. So that's I think at the base of getting kids involved. So I love the idea of toddlers doing chores and I wish that I could go back in time and put my children to work. But I also know for myself and for other parents that sometimes when you're in a rush or when you're tired, 
giving your kid a chore seems like a bigger pain than just doing it yourself and doing it well. Like I was just picturing the first time I asked my uh, daughter to bring her plate to the sink after a meal and you know where the plate ended up, you know, I mean, it was like, (laughs) it was not in the sink. So, okay. Just give some quick advice for the neurotic parents among us who are just really wary of, getting, making bigger messes, essentially, and wanting to just get the job done well. Well, I can really appreciate that. And I will tell you very honestly, that even where we are right now with my older children, these are conversations we're still having. So I think some kids pick up on this stuff early and quickly. And some kids, it is, it is, you are really playing the long game when it comes to this. And I think, I don't know, speaking for myself, at least, and this is the advice that I give, you have to choose which thing really bugs you most. And, you know, if it's the thing, like if it's taking the plates to the sink, and for a period of time, you just want to get it done, and you want to take care of it, that's, I mean, you get to pick and choose what's actually a teachable moment, and what at that particular moment is just something you need to just take care of. You know, we, we have time to do all of these things. It's just... It's just nice, though, to get that reminder that it eventually will pay off and maybe just not every single time. What about chores for kids who are a little older um, when you were talking about school age kids and even, you know, preteens and teens? What do you think is an appropriate kinds of chores for those ages and what's a good plan to put in place to make sure they get done? I think the first step is to start small. So maybe start with one or two chores and let it be something that they need to be doing anyway, something that sort of already built into their own um, routine. So for example, um, you know, if you're getting them out of bed, they can, that that's sort of a natural cue for them to, you know, quickly make their bed. Or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if it's hard for them to get up in the morning, making the bed in the morning is probably unreasonable. When they get home from school, they can make their bed. Mm-hmm. Or, Maybe making beds just isn't really a priority for you and you have bigger fish to fry. So getting their coats hung up after school or taking their lunchbox and putting it in the kitchen and taking it out of their backpack, you know, start with one or two things that just really will make your life easier as it gets done and focus on those few things. And once those get mastered, then you can add some more. But I just I think, you know, we shouldn't shy away from giving our kids responsibilities because it just really does pay off after that mm-hmm. initial, you know, in the long run, getting everyone trained. So at Real Simple, we're obviously really big on organizing. And uh, I wanted to know what your advice was. One of the questions we get asked a lot from our readers is what do I do with all of the artwork that comes home, these folders full of stuff and there's something to me as a parent that feels like cosmically wrong about throwing any of it out, at least certainly at the moment it comes home. I've, I've been known to throw things out years later. <laughs> what is your best tip for keeping all that stuff organized and out of the way and not, you know, it, it, sometimes I feel like it's eating my kitchen. Oh, boy, do I get it. So there are a few different ways to sort of deal with it. The first moment when it comes into the house is to just find a place to a dedicated place to put it. And so one way that is really easy to to sort of store it without it taking up a lot of room is to just get some large cardboard shipping tubes and roll it up and 
you know, save it in there. That's one great place to save it. But I think, you know, if you can possibly do some, just sort of a first run edit on on the art as it comes in, there's usually a few pieces that really stand out as good quality and some that just really are like worksheets from school and, you know, they don't really need to be saved and they can just be saved perhaps in a folder just mm-hmm. or toss them in a box and that way you can go through at the end of the year. Can you throw them out? Decide. <laughs> Well, you, sure, you can throw them out. I mean, I want someone to give me permission to throw this stuff out sometimes. <laughs> I think it depends a little on your kid, you know. I yeah. know that my son could not care less about any piece of art that he brought home. And so, it didn't matter what happened to it as soon as it got home. When it was when it was home, it you know, it could have gone in all of it could have gone in the trash as far as he was concerned. My daughter on the other hand was much more, you know, mm. she was more attached to the work that she did. Yeah. So, it sort of depends on your kid a little bit. You know, the other option is you don't, you know, there are other ways to deal with it. You can take digital pictures of the art and then get rid of the original. And that way, sometimes that's enough for a kid who's Mm -hmm. really attached to his work. You can actually take those pictures. If you really want to go further, you can take those pictures and turn them into their own little art book or calendar or something. Another thing you can do is you can actually take the art pieces and turn them into other stuff really simply. And I'm not talking about super involved crafts. I mean, what I used to do actually was I would take some, just the sort of random paintings and cut them into strips and glue that onto packages, you know, just to decorate, um, presents or I would make gift tags out of them or things like that. And it was just a, it was a fun way to repurpose the art and let it have a new life. Um, and then there's always grandparents. They love that stuff. <laughs> they do. So, <laughs> they really, they do. Really and do. they tend to have more space. I don't know. They, 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 grandparents seem to have empty drawers that I, I don't have. So I think that's actually one of your best ideas. That's so good. <laughs> well, And not only that, so grandparents, they have the space, they love the stuff, and they don't have the kind of emotional attachment that we do. And so they're going to feel much better. I mean, they may or may not. I mean, some of them will just keep everything, but some of them will be like, I love this This is really great. You know, six months later, they'll toss it. And by then, you know, the art piece has been forgotten about by your child. So it's not going to cause a problem. My last question for you is how do we apply parenting hacks to our older children in the sense that I think that there's so many amazing things in your book and on your site that are really, really, really just utterly practical for young children and toddlers and school-aged children. But I'm getting to the point, especially with my kids, where their problems are bigger. (laughs) They still don't like getting their nails cut, but I don't can't put them in a snuggly. They're still picky eaters. They were before. They are now. I'm kind of used to that. What are some of your favorite hacks for teenagers and older kids? And how should parents be looking at those problems that come up with um, kids as they kind of enter adolescence? Oh, such good questions. You know, I've got two kids who have most definitely entered adolescence for sure. And you know, it's so interesting how parenting changes as they get older, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. these, you know, like you said, you can't put them in the snuggly. We can't we can't control as much as we used to. And so I think that's part of it. Part of it is that I, one of the biggest hacks of all for me really has been to just trust myself to navigate this new period with my kids and to try to collaborate with them as much as I can. So I try to 
you know, if we're running into a problem, you know, like, like I said, we still run into a problem with dishes getting cleared. Believe it or not, we're still sort of dealing with people taking their dishes to the sink. Yeah. It, people just forget. And so, uh, you know, we try to be consistent and asking them to do it, but we also try to figure out with them, like, what is it? Is it that you're forgetting? Is it that you're getting distracted? Is, you know, what's the, what's the deal? Like, what's the problem? And I find that when we talk to each other about it, sometimes it helps. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, you know, consistency is a really big one. I think when, as kids get older and then, you know, showing them your trust and then being open to the fact that they might have a different way of solving that problem than you do. That has often helped. I know that, for example, my son, who's very much into, you know, he's super into doing his schoolwork. So this is, I'm not a person who has to hover about, about his homework, but he likes to do it while also listening to music or like sometimes he'll have a, you know, a video on, you know, like a YouTube video on. To me, it's like, no, you can't watch YouTube while you're doing your homework. And yet it seems to help him concentrate. It was completely, it just went against what really, uh, you know, seemed right to me. And yet, it was clearly working for him. And so I felt like I needed to step back and trust him a little bit on that. And and it helped. I think that screens are uh, something that we, you know, those are something we talk a lot about on this particular podcast. Do you have any kind of hard and fast rules about screens and how parents can work with their kids to make sure that screens aren't overtaking the household? I wish I had a bunch of hard and fast rules that I could tell you were foolproof. And <laughs> I have not yet found these. Darn rules. it. Okay. I know. I really When wish you I do, did. Well, let me know. Oh boy. No, I was gonna say when you do, you can let me know. <laughs> but well, there is one hard and fast rule we have, and that is that we don't allow phones or screens of any kind at the table when we're having meals. So yeah. that is one thing. We have what we jokingly call the phone spa, which is actually just an, a, a basket napkin holder that the phones just <laughs> have to know, live relax in. in, relax <laughs> in while we are eating our meal. And that is one hard and fast rule because I feel like there do have to be screen-free islands of time where you can look at each other and talk to each other and all of that stuff. But, you know, vilifying screens in all their forms it just doesn't make sense because it really is a part of our, especially our older kids' social lives. It's part of the way they entertain themselves. I, I actually think they operate differently with with screens than, than we do on some level that we don't even understand. And so it's not to say that we just sort of say, oh, well, that's the way it is now, because I don't think that's a great idea. I think we need to keep talking to our kids about it. But we do also need to realize that it, it might play a very different role for our kids than it does for us. Asha Dornfest, thank you so much for being on The Labor of Love today. I love talking with you, Lori. This is really fun. Asha Dornfest is the author of Parent Hacks, and she's also the founder of ParentHacks.com. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. As always, if you'd like to be a guest on our show or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Kristen Meinzer, and our editor, Tim Einenkow. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at Panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love.